0: Open your Bibles to Acts 11, 1 to 18. I'm going to read from Acts 11. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judah, Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou w- <clears throat> wentest in to the men uncircumcised, and did eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning, and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance, and I saw a vision, and a certain vessel descended as it had been a great sheep, let down from heaven by the four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which, when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and the fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay, and eat." But I said, "Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common." And in this, and this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three men already come unto the house, already come unto the house where I was. I sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, and on fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then I remembered, I the word of the Lord, how that He said, "John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost." For as much then as God gave them the like gift as He did unto us, we in the Lord, Jesus, what was I that could, what was I that I could understand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. you be seated.
1: I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hopefully that's your testimony this morning and you rejoice in being here together. Certainly is a privilege and I look forward to our time here together uh, this morning as we continue to look into God's word. The last message I preached here, the title was Responding to the Spirit's Voice. And afterward, uh, in conversation with one of you, one of the brothers mentioned, well, that's good. We want to respond to the Spirit's voice, but... Sometimes it's hard to discern what the Spirit's saying. How, how can we discern what the Spirit is actually saying to us? And that's a good question because we receive so many influences and signals and, and um, pressures on our life. And sometimes we ask, well, what really is the Spirit saying to us? In John 16, verse 13, Jesus said, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. But then we also read in the first John, first epistle of John, chapter four, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. So the title of the message this morning is discerning the spirit's voice. And perhaps you think it seems like we're taking a step back. The last sermon was responding to the spirit's voice. Now we're talking about discerning. You may say, well, we need to discern his voice before we can respond to it. And that is true. Uh, And in a sense, maybe we are. But on the other hand, if we do not respond to the spirit, what he already tells us, we will not be able to continue to discern the spirit. So in a sense, they they go hand in hand. So the title of the message this morning is Discerning the Spirit's Voice. Uh, If you were hoping for a New Year's message, I guess you could say the title of the message is Discerning the Spirit's Voice in 2019. But it doesn't only apply to 2019, it applies beyond, it applies throughout our lives. And uh, I'd like to uh, give a little bit of a background to the passage here that uh, John read in Acts chapter 11. Uh, We're going to be drawing some applications from this passage, but a little bit of background. Uh, If you would look back in chapter 10... It gives more detail of what Peter was summarizing here in chapter 11. Uh, Peter had been to visit Cornelius. He had received this vision. He went to visit Cornelius. And when he got to Cornelius' house, it was not only Cornelius there. It was not only his family. But it said he had gathered his friends and relatives. And it says that there were many gathered together. So this was quite an assembly of people waiting for them. And these people received a gift of the Holy Spirit, they were baptized, and Peter continued to abide with them. He stayed with them for a little while after that point. But the news of what happened in Cornelius' house got back to Jerusalem before Peter did. And when the Jews heard about what Peter was doing, they were not impressed. And they were waiting for him. When he got back, they were waiting with both barrels loaded, and they contended with him in verse 2. And his response to them was, well, let me tell you what happened. And that's what we have in this account. And we want to take a look at how the Spirit led Peter step by step through this passage and then see some areas on which we can focus if we wish to discern the Spirit's leading in our life. If we wish to discern what he has to say to us. So there's a number of things that I see here in, uh, in this example. And I'm just going to go over them. I actually have nine separate points. Nine separate things that we're going to be looking at. And first of all is if we want to discern the Spirit's leading. We need to persist in prayer. In verse um, 5. Verse 4, Peter rehearsed a matter from from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying. And then in verse 5, he begins his account. I was in the city of Joppa praying. Now, what was Peter doing in the city of Joppa? If you are familiar with the chronology of the first part of the book of Acts here, we could go back to, uh, I think it was chapter 9. The last part of chapter 9 where we read the account of Dorcas, who lived in Joppa, and when she died, the believers said, well, Peter is in a nearby city, let's ask him to come. Peter went to Joppa, raised Dorcas back to life, and in the end of chapter 9, it says it came to pass that he, Peter, tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner. So he was called there to meet a specific need, and when he was there, he stayed there for a while. So, note that Peter in Joppa was a guest in someone else's house. He was not in his regular routine. His daily routine probably was somewhat broken up. He was a guest in someone's house. For me, to find a guest in someone else's house, sometimes it is just hard to focus on your prayer life and your devotional life. And sometimes it suffers. But in spite of this fact that Peter was away, I guest in someone in his house, he made prayer a priority. He was in the city of Joppa praying. As you recall that story, he was up on the housetop at noon praying. So this was not just simply a casual before the meal prayer, God bless this food. It was not simply a hasty morning prayer or a casual bedtime prayer. I think this was a deliberate, intentional, scheduled prayer time. Peter found a place where he could be alone in the middle of the day, and he was praying, persisting in prayer. And it's interesting to note that while Peter was praying, God communicated with him in a very direct and personal way. So if we want God to communicate to us, if we want God's spirit to speak to us, if we want to be able to discern what the spirit is saying to us, we need to persist in prayer. We need to make prayer A regular part of our lives. Jesus made the statement, one thing is needful. These were the words of Jesus himself when he was speaking to Mary and Martha in their house. When Martha was busy serving and complaining about Mary, Jesus said, one thing is needful. Now, what Martha was doing was a good thing. She was serving. And I think most of us here would say, we want to serve God. And many of you have been serving God in various ways. There are some here who have served him in mission work, in VS work. There are many of you who are serving him in various roles here in the church. Uh, You may be serving God through your business. You may be serving God in your daily daily living. And if Jesus would come here physically and abide among us, I think you would find it your pleasure to serve him to host him, whatever it may be. But Jesus said that more important than serving is spending time with him. You see, that's how you really get to know God. Focused, personal, frequent time with him. And I ask the question again, can you expect to hear God's spirit speaking to you? And can you expect to discern what he is saying to you if you do not know him? Can you expect to have that intimate connection with him if you do not spend time with him? You see, the more time you spend with someone, the better you get to know them. And the more you understand their personality, the more you understand their desires and what they want. If you hardly know someone, you knew very little about them. So time spent with God, I think, may be one of the most overlooked And underutilized resources that we as Christians have. Think of some of the most influential characters in the Bible. How much time they spent with God. Well, you can think of Moses. 40 days in the mountain. Frequently going to the mountain that intimate time with God and how God worked through Moses. You can think of Elijah. You can think of David. You read through the Psalms. You realize that David spent a lot of time just in communication with God. We can look at the character of Jesus himself, at the life of Jesus himself, and how much time he spent with God. And recently, I was going through the book of Luke and noted how many times it mentioned that specifically that Jesus went out to a mountain or to a desert place alone with God. Now we know the gospel has mentioned that a number of times, but in the gospel of Luke alone, it's mentioned at least eight times where Jesus went out to a mountain or to a desert place alone. If Luke mentioned it eight times, how many times did Jesus do it? Perhaps a lot more than that. How many times were not mentioned? How much time did he just simply spend in prayer otherwise? And if you want to discern what God's Spirit is speaking to you, what what his Spirit is saying to you, we need to make prayer a priority, personal, focused time of prayer. We need to persist in prayer. And as you're praying, picture God's Spirit next to you, talk to him. As if you're talking face to face. Ask him questions. Ask him what he has to say to you. And listen. I think prayer sometimes should just simply be a time of listening to God. Rather than just simply talking so much that he doesn't have a chance to get a word in edgewise. If you want the spirit of God to reveal to you the mind of God. You need to spend time with God. So the first way to discern the spirit is to persistently spend time in prayer. Secondly, ask for spiritual vision. Continuing on in verse 5, I was in the city of Joppa, Peter said, praying and in a trance I saw a vision. And he goes on to describe the vision. The vessel descended as it had been a great sheet let down by the four corners full of four-footed beasts and so forth. Now when Peter saw this vision, his perspective was radically changed. You see, Peter was a Jew. And ideas about Jews and Gentiles that were deeply ingrained in his mind were basically thrown out the door. This was a radical change in perspective. There were certain things that Jews did not do as it pertained to Gentiles. So, his perspective was radically changed. But not only did this vision radically change his perspective, it also changed it immediately. This was not something he sat and thought about for a couple of weeks or a couple of days, but immediately his perspective was changed and he responded to that. The men were already at the gate as he was contemplating this vision. And he went to meet them and responded immediately to their invitation. And when Peter saw this vision, he was receptive to the Spirit's voice. If we turn back to chapter 10, uh, look at verse 19 and 20. It says, while Peter thought on the vision, he had seen this vision and he was sitting there just thinking about what does this mean? And as he was thinking on the vision... The Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee, arise, therefore, get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. This vision that Peter saw prepared him to hear and to discern the voice of the Spirit. When you are praying, we talked about persisting in prayer. When you are praying, pray for spiritual vision. Pray that God would give you vision. And I'm not talking necessarily about some supernatural exposure to something that you actually see, but I'm, asking, I'm, I'm talking about a vision of spiritual things. Open my eyes, Lord, that I might see, should be your prayer. Lord, that I might receive my sight, should be your cry. Stamp eternity upon my eyes, should be your prayer. Pray that you could see the events of life, from an eternal perspective. This is what vision. What spiritual vision is really about. Seeing everything from eternal, from an eternal perspective. And when you begin to see things from an eternal perspective. Your perspective will be radically changed. And it will be immediately changed. And you will be receptive to the voice of the spirit. How do we discern the voice of the spirit? We need to spend time in prayer. We need to pray for spiritual vision. Let's continue on. In verse 7. Back in chapter 11, verse 7, Peter described this vision that he saw. And right after that, he says, I heard a voice saying unto me. If you want to hear the voice of the Spirit, you need to listen. You need to listen for his voice. The fact that Peter heard this voice indicated that he was listening. Generally, people will hear what they are listening for. Those of you who are hunters, train your ears to hear certain sounds that other people would entirely miss. And catching those sounds may make a difference if you go home empty-handed or not. You train your ears to hear certain things. A mechanic might detect a sound in an engine that I would never hear because his ears are trained to hear certain things. I know a farmer's wife who made the comment That her husband can sleep right through one of his children, a baby crying in the next room, but he's wide awake as soon as a cow starts bawling out in the barn because his ears were tuned in to certain things. And you see, we hear what we are trained to hear. What are your ears trained to hear? From day to day, as you go through life, do you train your ears to listen for the voice of the spirit? And if not, how do you expect to hear his voice? How do you expect to discern what he has to say with you, say to you? And you see, the more time you spend with God, the better you will be able to recognize his voice. Years ago, when I was dating, I had a problem the problem was that in the Esh family there were two sisters. And sometimes when I called them and one of them answered the phone, I didn't know which one it was. I didn't know if it was Martha or if it was her sister Michelle. But I've spent quite a bit of time since with Martha since then, and I don't think I would miss her voice currently. I haven't noticed that problem recently. What are you trained to hear? Are you too busy? To listen. You know, we live busy lives running to and fro here in the earth. And I have to wonder sometimes what that must look like to God in our busyness. You know, as God looks out across the vast universe and as he sees this vast universe and then over here to the side is this little galaxy called the Milky Way. And then on the edge of that galaxy, there's this little sun and off to the side of that sun, there's this little planet called the earth and on that earth are just all these people just running around so busy how does that look to God probably a little bit like if you kick an anthill open and all these ants are just scurrying all over the place running back and forth where are they going I don't know what are they doing I don't know they're very active they're really running and I have to wonder sometimes is that what our lives look like to God Sometimes he needs to get our attention. For Peter, he used a vision. This vision of the sheet left down from heaven to get his attention. For Moses, he used a bush that was burning to get his attention. For Balaam, he used a cantankerous donkey. For the shepherds, he used the angels. For Elijah, he used a mighty wind, an earthquake, and a fire. But in each of these examples that I gave, what followed the thing that got their attention? What followed the vision of the sheep? What followed the burning bush? What followed the earthquake and the fire or the talking donkey or the shepherds? In each of these cases, there was a voice. In the case of Elijah, it was a still, small voice. But God had his attention. And Elijah listened. Sometimes God may send an event into our life to get our attention. Are we listening? Are our ears focused on what the Spirit has to say? Or are they focused on the sounds of the world? If you want to discern the voice of the Spirit, you will need to hear it. And if you're going to hear it, you will need. To listen. How do we discern the voice of the Spirit? Persist in prayer, ask for spiritual vision, listen. We need to maintain a clear conscience. In verse 7, when Peter heard this voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. Peter's response was not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. And what Peter was, ex- was doing here was expressing A clear testimony, a a testimony of a clear conscience. He says, all my life, Lord, I have obeyed what I've known to be true. I have followed the laws. I have not eaten unclean things. I have a clear conscience. I don't understand this. The fact that Peter had a clear conscience, I think, made it possible for him to hear the voice of the Spirit. And if you want to be able to discern what God is saying to you, you will need to live your life so that you can maintain a clear conscience. Sometimes we ask, well, what does the Spirit really want me to do in this case? Well, many times you already know in your heart what is the right thing to do. And the Holy Spirit doesn't need to teach you that which you already know or he shouldn't. If you're a school teacher, you might have some rules in your classroom, but you probably do not have a rule that says to your students, you may not write on the walls. Hopefully the students know that already. You don't need to make that a rule. And there are certain things that the Holy Spirit should not need to teach you because you already know that. And my question is, do we obey what we know? What we already know in our heart to be right. Or, on the other hand, do we sometimes find ourselves trying to make excuses or rationalize something which we really know in our heart is not right, is wrong? If you need to rationalize or make excuses for something that you're doing, it's very possible that you're not following the voice of the Spirit. I don't think you need to make excuse for what you're doing. So the Holy Spirit... I think, speaks to those who maintain a clear conscience. At the same time, the Holy Spirit can speak to you through your conscience. The word conscience, as used in the, in the New Testament, basically what that word means is to be aware. When God brings something to your conscience, he brings it to your awareness. When your conscience tells you not to do something, it's because you're already aware that doing that would be wrong. Or when you have a guilty conscience, it's because you are aware that you did something that was wrong. So your conscience simply means what you are aware of. And the Holy Spirit can speak through that by making you aware of certain things. John said, or Jesus said in John chapter 14, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. So the conscience and the work of the spirit, I believe, are related. And if you ignore the one, you are also ignoring the other. And if you try to (coughs) ignore your conscience, you're really resisting the spirit. So if you want to discern the voice of the spirit, maintain a clear conscience before God. Let's move on to the next aspect. Peter was going on with his account here. What was happening? In verse 11 he says, And behold, immediately there were three men already come onto the house where I was. He was considering the circumstances that God arranged. You see, no sooner had Peter received this message from the Spirit of God when the Spirit was speaking to him when opportunity came knocking on his door, literally, there were these three men who came, were knocking on the gate. And I believe that when God gives you a vision, when his spirit speaks to you and lays a burden on your heart, he will also provide a way in his time for you to carry out his will. Sometimes we may try to force events to make something happen. I don't think we need to force the hand of God. He will provide the opportunity when he provides the vision, when he provides the, the message to do something. But on the other hand, <laughs> when he does provide that opportunity, when he does speak, let's not ignore that opportunity or it may soon be gone forever forever. Many times God speaks through open doors. Uh, Paul, in his writings in the New Testament, various t- times refers to a door being opened onto me to preach the gospel. And when God gives us open doors, he does it so that we can step through them. And let us not quench the spirit. Let us not resist the spirit or grieve the spirit by ignoring the opportunities that he places in front of us. When God provides an opportunity, let's accept that opportunity on the other hand, sometimes God will close a door as an indication of his spirit's leading. Sometimes Paul was cast out of a city. What did he do in those cases? Did he wring his hands and start pouting and say this just isn't working and go home and go back to making tents? No, he just simply went into another city. If the door was closed here, he looked for an open door. God may sometimes close one door to help us to discern what the spirit is speaking Consider the circumstances. I recall years ago when, uh, before I moved to Romania, I was asked to go to Romania to serve as uh, in an administrative role there and leading out in some of the work. And to be honest, when I was first asked to do that, I was not entirely enthused about the prospect. And I spent quite a bit of time thinking about this and I just wasn't quite ready to say yes. And I remember one day in the middle of winter, I was teaching school at the time. We had a snow day and I was home from school for the day. So I spent some time praying and I was especially praying to God about this possibility of moving to Romania. And I was asking God to reveal his will to me. But at the same time, I think I was somewhat resisting it. And that particular day, I prayed specifically to God. You know, they're asking me to come over there and help in administration of the work in Romania. And I know so little about what's going on there. I feel like this is so far out of my realm. And I remember saying, you know, if they would have asked me to come and teach school for the missionary children, I've taught school for seven years. At least I know a little bit about that. That would be simpler. But the role that they're asking me to fill, I can't do that. Well, before that day was over, I got a phone call from Romania, and the man that had contacted me earlier said, uh, well, Nate, you know, we've been talking to you about some time about this role. He said, there's a little change. There's a young man over here that's been teaching school for several years, and he would be interested in serving in that role, which means that we would need a school teacher for the American school children. Would you consider that position? And what could I say? You know, this was exactly what I had told God just that day. Those were some circumstances that were an indication to me. And it was a door that opened through which God led me to lead me on to what was beyond that. Now, circumstances are certainly not the only method through which the Spirit speaks. And they may not even be the primary method through which He speaks. But they can be an indication. So let's not ignore them consider them carefully well let's move on to the next point it says immediately there were three men already come into the house where I was and the spirit bade me go with them in verse 12 nothing doubting moreover these six brethren accompanied me did you ever notice that did you notice that peter did not go alone he was not in this himself if you want to discern the Spirit's leading in your life, welcome input from the brotherhood. You see, the Spirit can speak through the brotherhood, through your brothers, through your sisters, through the church. And note in this verse, the Spirit made me go with them. The Spirit is is involved in this whole process here from beginning to end. The Spirit is speaking in various ways. And in this case, he used Brotherhood, the brotherhood, these six brethren accompanied me. You see, it's always better to look at any question from several perspectives. I have one perspective. You may have another perspective. Someone else may have another perspective. And if we look at it from those various perspectives, we will be able to see the picture in more clarity. That's why God gave us two eyes, With one eye, you have vision. With two eyes, you have perspective. Because you have two eyes, you're able to judge distance. You're able to judge speed much more efficiently than you could with one eye alone. And when you want to discern the the voice of the Spirit, sometimes your own judgment, your own perspective is really not enough. You might be able to see something, but you don't get the perspective of various angles. Isaiah says, or in the book of Isaiah, "'Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight.'" Proverbs says, "'Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety.'" "'Without counsel purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors they are established.'" "'Seek and accept and receive the counsel of others.'" I talked earlier about the example of Moses. Moses spent a lot of time with God. Moses knew what it was like to persist in prayer. He knew what it was like to have spiritual vision that God gave to him. He knew what it was like to listen to God. But Moses was also a person who received counsel of others. You remember the instance where his father-in-law came, stood back in the background, watched Moses for a day, come up to him at the end of the day and said, Moses, what you're doing is not good. Now, some of us would have bristled and said, yeah, you're just like your daughter, always trying to tell me what to do. These in-laws always cause problems. But no, that was not Moses' response. He received the counsel of his father-in-law, and because of it, he became a much more efficient and effective leader. If you have trouble discerning what God's Spirit is saying, do not (coughs) ignore the counsel of the brothers and the sisters in your life. God speaks through his Spirit. And the Spirit speaks through his people. Well, let's continue on. The Spirit spake through the brothers. We entered into the man's house. Now, again, that statement, we entered into the man's house, seems rather insignificant. So we went and we entered into his house. But I'd like you to picture Peter's situation The situation in which he found himself. Peter was born a Jew. Peter was raised a Jew. Peter kept the Jewish laws and customs. And there were certain things that Jews did not do. Earlier we had his testimony, I have not eaten anything unclean. And verse 12 says, we entered into the man's house. We tend to think nothing of that. We've entered into lots of people's houses that we didn't know. So what? We spend some time visiting with them. We go the other way. But Peter was a Jew. Cornelius was a Gentile. And the fact that Peter went into this man's house and fellowshiped with him was the very issue that the Jews were contending with him about. As you look back in verse, uh, verse 3, they say unto him, Thou wentest into men uncircumcised and didst eat with them. And Peter is saying yes. I went into this man's house. Now imagine Peter as he walked into that man's house. The thoughts that might have been going through his mind. What in the world am I doing here? What am I supposed to do now? Where do I go from here? I'm in this unclean place. But then what happened? He says, In verse 12, we entered into the man's house, verse 13, and he, Cornelius, showed us how he had seen an angel. You know, at that point, Cornelius began looking back and recounting how God led him up to this point. That is a very significant way to discern the Spirit's leading when you have questions. We need to review God's leading, We need to go back. We need to look back and see how God was involved in our life up to this point. And that helps us to understand where he may be taking us from there. Cornelius was talking to Peter. Cornelius told Peter about the angel of the Lord. And then Cornelius told Peter that this angel actually told me your name. He told me what city you're dwelling in. And he told me to go there. Send men there to ask you to come here to visit me. Do you think that was reassuring to Peter? As he saw how God led up to that point, instead of asking what in the world am I doing here, he had the assurance, this is of God. God's spirit is working here. God is doing something. And he is giving me the privilege to be a part of this. And he summed it up later on in verse 17 at the end. He says, what was I that I could withstand God? God was working. God's hand was so obvious in this. Recounting God's leading in the past, I think, will always help us to plot our course. We're forgetful people. God does something great for us. Time passes. We forget about it no wonder we become discouraged. We need to remember the things that God has done for us. We need to look at where we were earlier in our lives and where we are at the moment. And we will be better able to see the direction we're going and where God wants to lead us. We'll be able to see if we're going in the direction where we want to be, or if we need to make an adjustments. You see, it's not so much where I am at the moment that counts as the direction I'm headed. And if we look at where we come from and where we are, we can see the direction where we're headed. And if we're headed where we want to be. One theme that reoccurs throughout the history of the children of Israel is remember. Remember. Forget not. God told them over and over to remember the way he led them. They had holidays to remember what he had done for them. They had memorials set up to remember what they had done for them. They were supposed to put things in their houses as a reminder to their children and their children's children to remember. And if you have trouble discerning what the Spirit is saying to you, maybe you just need to sit down and remember. Remember where God led you. See where he is continuing to lead you. Remember some of the biblical truths that he taught you through your life. Remember the, the things, the doors that he led you through. Keep a journal of significant events. When God does something significant, when God shows you something significant, write it down so that you can remember. So that you can look back to see what he told you before. Look for the progression. That will help you to discern what he is saying to you today. Well, let's move on to the eighth point. After... Peter listened to what Cornelius had to say about all these things and what happened. Verse 16 says, then I remembered. That's kind of tied in with this, reviewing God's leading. But more specifically, what did he remember? I remembered the word of the Lord. So we need to remember God's leading, review God's leading. We also need to remember God's word and we need to ponder God's word. We need to think about what God is speaking to us. And this subject could be a sermon in itself. God speaks through his word. God's word is alive. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is quick, is alive and powerful and sharper. God's word is alive. That means that God's word can speak to you. Perhaps sometimes as you were trying to discern the will of the spirit, you just wished that the spirit would come and speak to you in a physical way. Right here, we have something physical through which God can speak to us. God's word is alive. And I want to assure you that the word of God will not contradict the spirit of God. If somebody comes and tells you that the spirit led them to do something that is contrary to the word of God, you can be confident that the spirit that led them was not the Holy Spirit, that it was not the spirit of God, because the spirit of God will not contradict the word of God. The Spirit of God and the Son of God and the Word of God are always in harmony. Jesus said that the Spirit will come to to reveal me, to glorify me, to continue to teach the things that I've taught. So if you wish to discern the voice of the Spirit, you need to become familiar with the Word of God. And again, the more familiar you are, The more receptive you will be to God's spirit, the more natural it will be to discern his spirit. Can you join the men of the Bible who recognized its importance? Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, out of thy mouth. Job, I have steamed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. David, how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Do you find the word of God irresistible? David described it as something sweet. When you walk past a plate of Christmas cookies or maybe some chocolate covered pretzels, you just can't resist. You just have to reach out and just, just one, you know, one more. Is that how you find the word of God? You just cannot resist it. Just, just a little bit more. Just another one. The word of God will always help you to discern the voice of the spirit of God. Let's move on to the final point. Moving down to 18. Peter had finished his discourse. He had finished relating this account of what had happened. And he concluded in verse 17 by saying, what was I? What was I to do? This wasn't me. This was God. It's so obvious that God's Spirit was at work here. What could I do? And notice the people's response. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God. If you want to discern the voice of the Spirit, seek God's glory, not your own. The Spirit does not dwell within you to exalt you, the Spirit does not dwell on you to lift up yourself. Peter ended his discourse and the people's response was they glorify God. You know, these people could have said, wow, Peter, you've got it together. You're really opening doors. You're a trailblazer. You're awesome. They could have said, Peter, he's the man. We're going to follow Peter. Let's form a new group and call ourselves the Peterites. No, that wasn't their response. They glorified God. And Peter's response was, who was I? What could I do? It was God at work. It's all about God. The mission was accomplished because God received a glory. And that is the work of the spirit to bring God the glory. Jesus said, he shall glorify me in John 16, 14. If you desire to hear the voice of the spirit, to discern the voice of the spirit in order to lift yourself up, I don't think you can expect, for, expect too much because the spirit's desire is not to lift you up, but it's to glorify God. And when someone else tries to lift themselves to a place of prominence by claiming to be led by the spirit of God and receiving some special revelation, again, it's a pretty clear indication that they are being led by the wrong spirit. I think it's very significant that the last sentence in this account emphasizes that the glory was given to God. That's really the purpose of the work of the Spirit. And if you're wondering if the voice that you're hearing is really the voice of the Spirit, and if you're trying to discern which is the voice of the Spirit, ask yourself the question, does this voice bring glory to God or does it glorify man? Well this account here that we looked at was really the beginning of many wonderful things. If you continue to read through the book of Acts and the epistles you will see how God continued to minister to the Gentiles throughout Asia Minor into Europe. The movement just went on and on. God was glorified. The spirit continued to lead. And when you Are receptive to the spirit. When you are discerning of the spirit's voice in your life. It is just the beginning. That is not the end result. That is not the goal that you should be looking for. The final goal. It's just simply a means to the end. To open many new doors in your life. And it's no telling where God may lead. Someone who is open and discerning to the voice of his spirit. I gave you nine points, and I don't give them to you as a one, two, three formula. You follow these step by step and something magical is going to happen. But rather, they're all factors that when they combine in our lives will help us to be able to discern what the Spirit is saying to us. This morning, there are many voices clamoring for your attention And I just want to encourage you and I want to encourage myself to tune in so that we can discern the voice of the spirit so that God may be glorified. I invite you to kneel with us for prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for the work of your spirit in our lives. Thank you for the gift of your spirit that was poured out upon your people And that your spirit is eternal and is with us, present here today. Lord, thank you that it's not your plan, that the spirit is something ambiguous off in the distance that we cannot understand or discern, but it's really your desire that we understand the voice of your spirit and thank you for the ways in which you make that possible. And I pray that we could um, examine our lives and open our lives, that we would be able to discern what you would have to say to us today, tomorrow, each day, and then that we, we would respond to that so that your name could be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.